If we want culture change, we need to bring a new top leader and they are going to kind of drive culture change from the top down. That's not really how it works. It has to be at least a top down and a bottom up effort combined. Welcome to Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. I'm Dr. Jen Barna, and I'm so thrilled to have you here with me today. And I'm thrilled to have with me a terrific guest and a repeat guest who you may have heard earlier. We're excited to bring back Tosca Bruno von Feiweigen, who is an international coach and consultant. She's a public thought leader and co-author of the book Between Power and Irrelevance, The Future of Transnational NGOs, published by Oxford University Press in 2020. Tosca is an international expert on leadership, and I'm really interested in speaking with her because of her insights into physicians and leadership. And in fact, she's recently developed a course along with us at Doc Working to present to our physicians in the Doc Working community on remote leadership for physicians. And also the course is available to international leaders in sectors outside of healthcare. So Tosca, welcome back to Doc Working, the whole physician podcast. I am so Please, that I'm back with you, Janet. It's, it's my honor. Thank you. I'm thrilled to have you, and I'm thrilled to have a thoughtful conversation with you today and hear your opinions about some topics that we've been talking about outside of the podcast. You and I have had many conversations about yep. organizational culture and about the culture of medicine, mm. and I'm really interested in hearing about how you see your knowledge of cultures in other sectors intersecting with the culture of medicine and the problems that we have in our culture, the systemic problems that we know Mm. need to be fixed and how that can influence individuals within the culture. There's so much to talk about. Perhaps we could start just by acknowledging that individuals, even in a broken culture, have agency. Yes, they definitely have some some agency. And just let me preface first by saying we know enough about organizational culture and what makes something healthy or not healthy or toxic sometimes even or broken, as you said, across sectors, right? So the healthcare sector, the government sector, other private sector uh, realms, as well as nonprofits, whether they're U.S. domestic or international. So yes, individual leaders, particularly team leaders and team managers have agency to affect some aspect of the culture. So as a team leader, you have a big influence on the behaviors of those in your team. Because if we define culture as the widely shared daily practiced and therefore repeated behaviors and habits, if you're a physician who is also a team manager or a team leader, you have agency by modeling some of these habits and daily practices and behaviors that you want your team members to also do more of or take on, if you will. So that modeling opportunity is quite big. And as a team leader, you can also support 
your team members to take on habits, new habits or practices or behaviors that they in the beginning may struggle with. So you can support them by encouraging them, by giving them positive feedback when they exhibit those behaviors or habits or practices. You can celebrate those in front of the rest of the team because team members are watching what you are doing what your behaviors are as a team leader or team manager, much more than what comes out of your mouth, what you're saying. And at the same time, as a team leader or manager, you have agency because you can hold other team members and yourself to account. You can help hold them accountable for these behaviors and not just at formal moments of uh, team performance, reviews, etc., but also actually based on daily kind of regular informal feedback moments. So let me stop there and see what you think. I think that's a terrific opportunity. And I think that most, almost all physicians are leaders in that type of a setting. And many of physicians are leaders in of larger groups, but certainly in the team setting. Mm-hmm. And I've also heard people talk about bringing their team together in a huddle at the beginning of the day, for example, to find out what is going on outside of work so that people can support each other and also see each other as vulnerable human beings that they're working with and understand a little bit about what they're bringing to work in order to get through the day and support each other in the best way possible. What do you think about that type of a... That is modeling in its own right. If you as a team leader or team manager or group leader, whatever, if you are making a habit of asking people what's going on in the rest of your life. And by the way, if I can kind of as a side comment, in virtual or in hybrid teams, that prompt, it's more difficult to think about that because in a virtual or hybrid environment, we tend to become even more task-oriented and not relationship-oriented, but yet it is all the more important to ask about the context of somebody's life because we don't see much of that, right? We're not bumping into each other in the hallways. We're not having a chat in the kitchen. We're not at the water cooler talking about our lives. So we we miss a lot of that context, unless, as you just said, unless we ask about it. So yes, that is definitely part of, you are shaping culture if you ask that question at the beginning of a meeting, if you have a regular one-on-one check-in with individual team members, just 10, 15 minutes in addition to the group huddle can really make a difference if you do that regularly. And also another way, a nice way of shaping culture is asking your team members at the end of that individual or the group huddle, what can I do to make your work today or this week easier? Or how could I manage you differently? Those are all kind of shapers of organizational culture at the team level or group level, even if you don't have enough power or agency to affect what's happening at the organizational level, that might or might not be broken. Well, I love what you're saying. And and you're making me think about the parallels between how we practice medicine currently and Mm -hmm. virtual leadership. Some of us do virtual leadership as well. And you're absolutely right. It does become very task oriented and everyone is pushing the limits of what they can do in terms of tasks. And you do lose that chance to talk about what's going on in our our lives outside of work to really understand how someone is approaching their work. And 
what you're making me realize is that that's often the case in the way we practice medicine now, even in person, because often we are so overtasked in the course mm-hmm. of a day and we really want to hit the ground running. Every single person on the team is expected to do that. We don't take time to talk at the water cooler. We don't take time, at least as physicians, to interact with each other in a way that is about our personal lives. We interact to discuss patients and patient care, but yeah. we we really never make time at work to talk about what's going on outside of work. There's just not time in the day. So I, I never thought about it until you said that, that that really is a parallel between how we practice medicine currently and how we might lead a team virtually. That's how isolated we can be in our mm. practice, even though we're on location. Mm. And I'm curious if you have any insights into ways, in addition to, as you just suggested, mm-hmm. um, thinking about starting your day with a huddle, asking people about what's going on outside of work. Do you have any other suggestions on ways to sort of break out of that silo and bring that interaction back into the day, even in the context of a very busy schedule? Yeah, it's a very tough one because, of course, especially here in the U.S., and I don't claim to know all of the ins and outs of how healthcare structurally, if you will, is and systematically is 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 organized. But there's such pressures, as you say, to be constantly task oriented to achieve and to perform, etc. So I'm wondering if at a team level it is possible, for instance, to say we reserve two hours every week where we are not accepting patients and we're not doing administrative kind of back-end work, right? But we each, or at least I as a team leader, or team manager, I have what sometimes is called open office hours where, yes, I am at my desk if I'm in a co-located team setting or I'm at my uh, computer in a virtual hybrid team, but I don't schedule any meetings and no patients either, and I'm available for people to drop in. So, so doing that, that kind of open, unstructured availability allows people to come and talk to you allows you to go and talk to others about either their context, what's happening in their personal life, where you feel it's kind of uh, seeping into the work experience, and to be available for quick consultations, for seeking some feedback, etc. So that could be one way of carving out that time. That's a brilliant idea, but I can tell you from experience it would not happen, sadly, at least in private practice. I think in academia, there could be possibly a way to to do that. But I think in private practice, you would have to literally schedule it on either end of your day, because at least typically, we're not controlling our own schedules often. The institution would consider it to be a cost to the, the institution if we were to block a schedule. And also we would get a lot of negative feedback about having less slots available, for example. Mm-hmm. So that definitely is a barrier, I think, it's for us, big- because I love the idea of that. It would be very valuable. Yeah. Well, if that is the case, maybe it's time to start talking about collective action. And I'm not saying this is easy. And this may not be even be something that you can resolve at the organization level. Maybe it's even at the sector or subsector or industry level, right? Then really where you would use some data that indicates that unless 
we are not always task oriented where we're either serving patients or doing administrative work on the back end to keep the machinery going our quality of patient care will go down if we can use research data that says that and this is true in all other sectors right if we don't take care of ourselves and our teams and our culture then ultimately often the performance of each individual will go down or people will leave. And if we think about retention, retaining physicians, because to lose a physician, I do not know what the costs are exactly in the healthcare system, but I know that in other sectors, on average, that costs as much as $40,000 just to replace somebody. To lose a physician, the literature shows it's 500000 to a million. Ah! Plus, because of loss revenue while the physician is gone, it often takes a year or more to replace them. And then the cost of recruiting on top of that. So it's very, very expensive to lose a physician, uh, expensive to an organization. And you're absolutely right. That's really where we are in terms of having a crisis with healthcare burnout. Hmm. And one thing that we talk with organizations about every day is making space and making the time to create a culture of resilience and strengthening that resilience because healthcare workers are resilient, but resilience is not static. And when a culture begins to appreciate its employees and make them feel valued and give them time at work for professional Mm -hmm. development, just exactly as you say, it actually improves productivity and job satisfaction and retention, which ultimately can save the organization. Yes, that's right. To what extent sometimes uh, physicians as team or unit leaders sometimes try to engage with each other in collective action towards their top leader? Does that ever make a difference to at least start to eke out uh, little bits of time in at least at a weekly level? to do that little bit more of that non-task oriented work? I think the problem that we run into is often that we are so task oriented at work that we don't make time to try to fix these problems. So I think if you were to take a poll of physicians and say, would you be interested in having this time? I think, honestly, I think you would get a, a variety of answers because we have been trained to hit it as hard as we can and really push our own personal limits to see as many patients as possible. And then the administrative tasks have grown in terms of the time. So now with the current EMR type systems that we use to track all of our patient care, that Mm -hmm. actually is something that has now taking a, a larger chunk of our time each day on top of a patient load. So It is a complex problem and it is a problem that is not simple to solve. Not at all. It's a system level then actually. Yeah. Well, we do know from the organizational culture change practices in other parts of both public and private sector and in the nonprofit sector that, for instance, if we say as physicians to our patients that they need to balance their lives, at least to some extent, right, by taking time out for relationships, for their networks, for being embedded in community, etc. And we don't practice that in our own work. So in other words, if there is a gap between what we say 
to others and what we do ourselves, we know that that on its own, if that is not recognized, culture change efforts have very little chance. That's really a great point. And I know our coaches talk with us in the doc working community about the knowing doing gap. Yes. As physicians, you know, we have that regarding our own well-being on multiple levels, nutrition, exercise, you know, and just taking time for ourselves, as you say, building that in. But, But you bring up a really excellent point, which is that we should be taking that knowledge of how a work culture should be and actually putting it into action in our own lives. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of myths around when it comes to our culture. So maybe if I could just mention a couple of these and also just make sure that our listeners are clear when you and I, Jen, are talking about organizational culture. Again, I am not talking about sometimes, you know, organizational culture efforts are being seen as, oh, things that we put on banners, things that we have on our website, things that our top leaders are communicating to the physicians and the teams around the organization, right? It doesn't affect behaviors. What does affect is the modeling, what I said, of very daily practices and habits and behaviors that are widely shared, that are constantly repeated, and therefore become very tenacious because they guide what people do on a day-to-day basis, or they guide people what not to do. So with that definition in mind, one of the myths is, oh, if we want culture change, we need to bring a new top leader, and they are going to kind of drive culture change from the top down. That's not really how it works. It has to be at least a top down and a bottom up effort combined, where there are physicians around the organizations who want to change the habits and behaviors that are encouraged or discouraged. And there have to be what we call culture ambassadors. So people who already, even within the strict confines of the the systems that you just said that are broken, who still trying to do the little bits that they can. And those ambassadors bottom up can really make something over time viral and can complement a more top-down driven culture change effort, if you will. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Complete sense. Absolutely. So when you are working with leaders of organizations, how do you recommend that they implement a culture from the bottom up? From the bottom up. As they work from the top down. Yeah. So first of all, unless you practice within the confines and constrictions of the system, right, that you've described as being extremely task-oriented and output-oriented. I need to be seen in my own behavior to, as much as possible, model something that is a slight alternative, that is not exactly adhering to those confines. I need to encourage others to do the same, especially those that I have positional power over, and I need to hold myself and the others accountable. Then I need to ally with others around the organization who have similar desires and are already trying to practice that. It really is about modeling and about being an example. And once you have a critical mass of people who are kind of followers, who have become culture champions with you, then perhaps it's time to talk to your top leadership and say, 
we're experiencing that this is beneficial for these and these reasons. And by the way, we are retaining physicians, which is saving you a lot of money and effort in terms of replacement of physicians, etc. is we want to talk to you about how to make this culture, this organization wide. It's really important to start with the people who are already exhibiting the behavior that you want to see more of. And not just people with positional power, but people who are informally admired in the organization. Sometimes the people who are most respected and admired are the people who are like a node in a network that all the information goes through them, for instance, right? Sometimes they have a lot of informal influence, even if they don't have a lot of positional influence. So those are a couple of kind of initial answers. Terrific. Great answers. There's a new tool that a company that we are collaborating with that will actually go in and be able to assess for metrics that can support which areas in the organization are experiencing higher levels of burnout and likelihood of of leaving and vice versa, which ones are, are doing well. And as an organizational leader could potentially use that information both to implement programs to help prevent people who are in the risk category from leaving yeah. to help yeah. to pro- provide better support to them, but also to look at the areas that are thriving. Yes. Relatively speaking and see what they're doing differently. I love that. To use the, that. The, what we call the positive deviance. So the people who are managing, even if the system is broken to still do something positively that is different and asking them. And yes, absolutely. What you said about doing pulse surveys, for instance, quick two, three, questions every couple of months and tracking that data, being internally transparent about what that data is showing you over time trend-wise. And then organizations really do better if they also become externally transparent. So if they have it on their website, for instance, right, or they report on that, because once you are externally transparent about seeking improvements, then the sense of urgency for this change in organizational culture becomes much higher. Great point. That's a terrific point. And are there any other recommendations that you may have for listeners on a microculture level, for those of us who may be managing teams within a much larger organization, looking for places where we have agency to better manage our own team, and then ultimately, hopefully, be able to talk with other leaders in the organization, even if they are leaders on the same level, managing other teams Mm -hmm. and finding out ways to improve from the bottom up. There are several things I could bring up, but but let me just bring up one, and that is a accountability body. So if you can identify another physician who you know has a similar wish to at least at the team or unit level to make some culture changes, say, can you both support me and hold me accountable? Can we compare notes? If you see me speak in a meeting, if we're in a shared meeting, can you tell me later yeah, I really liked what you did there. That was you were accentuating a behavior that you want to see more of and that you're exhibiting yourself. You're doing your best effort to do that. And can you also tell me when I'm not doing that? So I think an accountability body is always a good thing because let's not kid ourselves. 
culture change, whether it's at the team level, but particularly at the organizational level, is a long-term process. It's not happening in a year and probably not happening in two to three years. That's often takes on average five to seven years of sustained effort by a range of physicians in an organization to change something about what are the desired behaviors and practices and what is less desired. So we need to have a long breath for this, if you will. Yes, absolutely. It's not a short-term problem. And uh, this, I think, is a really empowering conversation because you're giving us some tools that we can begin to use right away that I think can make a difference very quickly in our day-to-day practice, even in a system that we know is not going to change overall very quickly. Yeah, we know we can have healthy team cultures within a broken system. There are definitely obstacles, and you've pointed out several of them, but there is some agency that we need to have. And when then that team on its own becomes a model for other teams, right? Others are watching and saying, hey, I want more of that too. So over time, this can, in a viral way, this can ripple out. That is very well said, Tosca, and I really appreciate your insights. Is there anything else that you would like to add to our conversation? I think we wanted to talk about this in a nutshell, and I think we've hit upon some of the bigger points. But I'm also, truthfully, Jen, I'm taking on board entirely what you say about how, at a sector level, the system is broken for the types of cultural values, principles, and behaviors that we're after here. So I fully respect the boundaries that you have uh, reminded me and uh, our audiences of, but we are not without any power or agency. I do want to stress that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that has been such a game changer for me to realize with coaching that you can learn to have a different perspective and Mm -hmm. to identify the areas where you do have agency and you can affect your own well-being and your own career to put it into a sustainable place and make it where you want to be. I think that we often think about things in black and white. It, yeah. It's either either I can't change the whole system and therefore I just can't be part of it. When in actuality, you can change what's right around you, your immediate surroundings quite a bit. And when you start brainstorming that with a trusted thinking partner, you realize how many options you do have. And, and that's yeah. what we're here to help people do at Doc Working. Yeah. I I think the accountability partner is a really wonderful idea. And sometimes that might be someone who's not even at your institution. Um, That's another benefit of being in a group where you have peer support with people from all other locations and even other specialties, because you do have the opportunity to see what people are doing outside of your institution. And maybe they have some ideas you haven't thought of. I think that is critical in coaching, that there is a peer coaching element, both for support and accountability, for motivation when the going gets tough. And yeah, just to emphasize what you just said, Jen, about the power of reframing, reframing an issue for yourself. And I think that's what doc working and other programs, that's what they help physicians do, right? So my hat off to you. Thank you so much, Tosca. And certainly hats off to you too for all of your leadership programs at Five Oaks Consulting. And we're very, very honored and privileged to be able to collaborate with you and to be able to bring your programs to the physicians in the doc working community. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing with us your expertise. The privilege goes both ways. And thank you uh, once again for this opportunity. 
If you're listening and you're interested in learning more about the Five Oaks Consulting course on leadership for physicians who are working in a remote setting, is that the correct title, Tosca? It, it's actually virtual team leadership for physicians is the title. I personally, Jen, I um, I prefer the term virtual teams over remote teams because the word remote in itself, and this is interesting, we're talking about the culture and the power of symbols. Remote suggests something that is not necessarily something that I as a team manager would like to accentuate. So we like the term virtual team uh, leadership or hybrid team leadership, depending on the setting. And actually that, as we've talked about a moment ago, that may also fit with you working right in your practice, even though you may be on site. I know I do a lot of virtual work, even when I am on site, because we have multiple locations. And so I am working with my team by phone and by computers when I'm practicing radiology. So I know you are absolutely right. A virtual team leadership is actually a much better term for it. So I'm excited to be able to bring that to the doc working community. And how can people learn more in addition to messaging me at doc working, which would be Jen at docworking.com. If you'd like to email me to find out more, we will be having more information on our website about the course where people can click. And of course, if you're in the doc working community, a member of doc working thrive, you'll have the opportunity to join the course as well. How else might people be able to find you if they have questions and would like to learn more? Oh, I'd love for people to connect. So you can find me by email at Tosca, that is T-O-S-C-A at five, as in the number five oaks, as in oak trees, O-A-K-S, consulting.org. And you also can find me on LinkedIn, of course, and I look forward to uh, being in touch. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for joining us on Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. At Doc Working, we're here to help you maximize your potential on your own terms and help you live your best life. Top executives, athletes, actors all achieve greatness with the support of professional coaches. As a healthcare professional, you deserve ongoing coaching towards success in your career and in your life outside of work, helping you to balance and integrate work and life in the personalized way that is specific to you. At Doc Working, your success is defined by you, and our coaching programs help accelerate your path to get you there. And since our programs come with CME credit, you can let your CME budget help you to prioritize your own well-being. Please check us out at docworking.com. And until next time, thank you for listening to Doc Working, the whole physician podcast.